Hey, security peeps. We are live with another edition of Breaking into Cybersecurity. Second time for today for me. First time for Jessica. I am Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, helping to demystify cybersecurity careers for the month of October, which is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. And I am here with a fantabulous per- person, Jessica Tubbs. Say hi to everyone, Jessica. Hello, everyone. So Jessica is here with us because of her amazing background. So within three years, Jessica went from customer support technician, and you got to tell me what you did in that role, all the way to security engineer. I want to learn, um, and you all will learn, you know, how to demystify how Jessica took the paths to get there. Um, and how, what Jessica is doing right now. So super excited. Mac Men is already here. Uh-oh, people are chiming in. Hi, Mac Men. We are live. Yes, we are. And Cedric says, hello. Hi, Cedric. Hello. So excited to talk to you, Jessica. Jump right in. Tell us how you got there. Oh, probably all the wrong ways. <laughs> <laughs> That's what makes it um, so much fun. <laughs> well, um, so so I, I started um, back in my tech career. Um, I will go ahead and say there is quite a lot of background that we're going to leave out at this time. Um, I basically had to do a fresh start. So um, that was at New Nova Network Services slash API Digital slash now they're called NRTC something. Um, and my title was customer support technician. Um, but I was basically help desk light kind of. Um, it wasn't like PC issues or password resets, except for it was for uh, basically supporting rural telcos, which is internet, telephone, sometimes TV providers. So uh, we did everything from VoIP to wireless LTE to fiber to cable to DSL. Um, got some carrier side experience in there. Um, a lot of carrier side experience. <laughs> and basically just volunteer to take on extra duties, extra responsibilities and tried to give my 110% all the time and it showed and I rose through the ranks fairly quickly. Um, I was a, uh, I guess an acting floor supervisor or floor lead um, in different environments. It's called different things. Um, there it was called, um, a lot of things. I'd actually have to look at my resume to see what it was called last. But basically, I was giving, um, I was the go-to for anybody on the floor who needed assistance with the issues they were working and also coordinating my um, people and making sure everything was going well and handling escalated issues. So like there were people above me before he got to the manager level. But um, I was I was helping a lot of the other people on the floor, and then I went back down, and then I got like a 
lateral yet still promotion because I switched departments. And right. yeah, that's kind of where everything started to really skyrocket. No, that's pretty cool. So there are a couple com a couple uh, more people. Sharafat says volunteered, very key, very true. Yes. Charles Karanja. Hi, Charles. Happy Sunday. He is a friend. He needs to come back on the show soon. And Sharafat says hi. Oh, this was before she made her. <laughs> so I wanted to, so you went from customer support technician quickly into advanced customer support technician and into lead support technician. So you kind of rapidly, you know, got bumped up. Um, the lead it, was temporary. Okay. The lead was temporary. Um, we won't get into why it didn't become permanent, but it didn't. It, it worked out the best for me because um, I was able to get the knock position because of it. Mm -hmm. so. Right. And that's what I want to talk about next. So you went from kind of customer support light where you're helping. And I just want to, for people who may not know, telco, telecom, um, when you said VoIP, voice over IP. So anything related to telecommunications. So think about your Verizons, think about your charter communications, think about your Time Warner cables or whatever they're called. I know Time Warner went to charter. Um, so those types of environments, correct? Right. Except um, most of the time they were rural corporations. So lots of times um, they would be they, they would be run through like the local utility company, for example. Okay. okay, great. So then you are, you know, giving your 110%. And I love that. I love that you said that, like, works my butt off, gave everything, and then got promoted, got kept getting moved up because you're doing everything, you're giving everything. So then you get bumped up to the next level and then bumped into the next level. And then you you transition over to the knock, the network, and I'm and I, I I myself have to keep reminding myself that this month, cybersecurity awareness month, demystifying careers. So I'm not I'm trying not to do acronyms. Network operations center. So yes. tell us about that experience. Like, how did you get from customer service to or customer support to um, the network operations center, and what were you doing in there? So. Uh, the entire company is a managed service provider. Um, it's MSP, and uh, it's it's a smaller company. So when I did all of the volunteering, um, extra duties, extra responsibilities, um, I made myself known as somebody who could be relied upon. Um, they could call me in if they didn't have if all of their advanced techs called out, and I'd be there within you know. 30 minutes to an hour to work a shift at last minute's notice. And, you know, I didn't expect special treatment in return or anything. I was just there for the work and for the knowledge and to basically expand as much as I could with what I was given. And so I made sure I was known as that person and that I could be relied upon as that person. And that gained the notice of the supervisor and manager over at the NOC, the Network Operations Center. And uh, so I was actually told if I had applied for the previous round, I would have gotten over there earlier. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, 
I I was seen and I was noticed and uh, they already knew they wanted me over there and made sure I applied for the position. Um, so that's how I got over there. And I want to highlight that component. So one of the areas I tend to talk about a lot is um, people pivoting within their current companies. And what I've seen and how, you know, after doing over a hundred of these episodes, we've learned and I've seen this and it actually happened to me is one of the fastest ways to pivot into security or to break into cybersecurity is to do it within the company that you're already working in. And so Jessica went above and beyond as a customer support, you know, probably partnering with their already taking notice, the network operations team and the leaders over there realize, hey, this woman is a rock star. She's moving up and she and we want her on the team. And, you know, eventually when when you got to the point where you wanted to apply, they're like, we wish you applied for the, the last role because you already would have been here. So it just goes to show, you know, really pivoting within your current company, looking in your own backyard, seeing what your current company has available is one of the fastest ways to break into security. Yes. And actually, um, I had applied for the knock previously. Um, I was I think I was two months in to uh, the customer support technician. So I was brand new, but they had told me to get to systems engineering, which is about as advanced as you could get there at the time. Um, I'd have to go through the knock and the position came open. So I went ahead and applied for it. And during the interview, I said, um, I know I'm not experienced enough to do this now, but I'm interested in doing this later. Um, so basically to get on their radar. Um, I tried I tried to be strategic about it. And one of the things that I believe has really helped me accelerate so quickly is that my focus has not been about the money. Um, <laughs> I'm not quite sure how much information I can disclose, uh, but <laughs> there um, hypothetically, I may have had a previous employer and may have gotten a promotion and may have not actually gotten paid more just because I had already received many raises um, due to outstanding work at the previous position. Oh, that's, that's happened to me too. Oh, yes. It happens. <laughs> yes. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of attitudes, which, you know, they're totally justified and I'm not going to do more difficult work or more work without more compensation. That's a totally valid viewpoint uh, for me to accelerate my career path, which was the plan from the beginning. I decided that's that's just not the attitude I wanted to have towards it. And I wanted to make the focus more on the most I could get out of this situation experience wise and knowledge base wise and skills wise. So um, it's it's ultimately paid off for me. It did take three years uh, to pay off for me. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, yeah, it was worth it to me. Yeah. And I want to um, I want to add in something that happened to me, too. And I think people don't realize how often that may happen. 
And they look at a person and say, oh, they got all these promotions. And sometimes those promotions don't come. It comes with the responsibility, but it doesn't come with the money. And so I totally same exact story. I was moved around, you know, supposedly, you know, and, and I the, it, what's what's even worse about my situation in particular is that I was in HR. So I knew <laughs> this, is like, this is so not cool. But like you, I wanted the experience. So, you know, I got moved into different areas and no, no, no increase, no nothing. And um, but it was about the experience for me. So very, very similar. It's just similar the way it is with you was with me. Like I wanted the experience and that experience has um, benefited, benefited me more than that little five percent increase would have back then. Um, it's benefited me 100 fold. So. I would take the experience all over, you know, compensation any day. If I, you know, looking back, I'm I'm so happy I was um, mature enough. I think earlier on in my career, I probably would have said no. I'm not doing it. Um, not really fully understanding a lot of this stuff, but I was a little bit further along, and I knew I wanted the experience, and I was like, I'm taking it regardless. So, you know, you you were so so right to be able to do that. So a couple more comments here. Rebecca says, hello. Hi, Rebecca. And MacMan says, expectations can lead to disappointment. Good thinking. Um, when you made your, the comment about, you know, going into, I think when you were talking about going into the knock, being in the, um, the customer support role. And then Cedric says, that's the same thing that happened to me. I was a senior systems admin and and an ISO, which is an information systems, information system security officer. Right. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, position opened up because someone transferred. There was no increase until later. Yeah, that's a, I think this is such a good topic or, um, you know, a good time to talk about this, especially someone coming from HR. Sometimes these roles, it's very, you know, it's hit or miss. Like so, in some situations you can get an increase in other situations you cannot. Um, and. I would say if you want the experience, just take the whatever the role is, take that role, because what you can do with that experience is parlay it potentially outside of the company. Um, so if you're within a company and, you know, you see a role and they want to give it to you, but they say they don't have the budget or they can't give you an increase or whatever. And that experience is going to take you to your next step, your next level. Take the position, get the new experience. Like it's so, so important that that experience is really, really key. Uh, because if you turn it down and then you don't get it, it's very hard sometimes to move out of the company and get another role with that future role's title. Most recruiters want to recruit somebody who has that experience and has that title. Like you'll see, and uh, Cedric probably knows this, ISO, if I'm looking for an ISO, if I'm looking to reach out to an ISO, an information system security officer, I'm going to look for people who are currently ISOs. I'm typically not going to look for a SOC analyst, a knock analyst, some other title. Like the, we, it, it, what managers and leaders want is somebody who knows the job. They can jump in. They're already in that role. So um, that's that scenario. So now you're in the knock. You're getting all that good experience. Um, what happens next? So um, actually what you just said kind of uh, leads to another thing I been doing is uh, I when I decide I've reached my limit my limit at one position I don't uh, 
go for a similar position. Um, because from the knock, when I chose to find a different employer with different opportunities, um, it was a completely different type of position um, that I didn't have experience for directly um, and so on and so on. Like I, I apply for roles that I'm not necessarily qualified for on paper, but that I know that I'm capable of doing with, um, with a minimal gap. So, you know, yes. Like there's been, um, like two days, two or three days to get me up and running. And then, um, uh, this one's my current job is, uh, way more critical. So it's, it's taking a couple of weeks or a few weeks or so. Um, but yeah, that's, that's just, another one of those, um, I guess, strategies I've been using. It does take a lot longer to get a job that you're not qualified for Yeah, <laughs> many times. But again, if you're just, if you can afford to play the longer game and not just try to get a new job for more money, then for me, that strategy pays off in the end uh, much better. Um, but yeah, so I got the knock job. Part of the uh, part of the requirements was that I obtained my Network Plus certification within 90 days. I did so. Um, I was told to advance further. I would it would be sysadmin, um, and I was told Security Plus would be good. I got the Security Plus certification, and around the same time, went to um, my first couple of local meetup groups and a local um, IT conference. And I got exposure to a lot of new different fields like data science um, and pen testing. I didn't really know what was involved with in pen testing. And so um, that kind of, um, it kind of expanded my goals and, made me a little bit more willing to pivot to different plans because originally I wanted to go into programming and systems engineering. Uh, at least the type that was at that original company involved programming. So um, I always try to make sure that I'm willing to be open to new opportunities um, because sometimes those opportunities do not rise again, at least not for a very long time. So also when I was studying for Security Plus, I uh, loved the material. I didn't have any prior experience in it. Um, so it was all new, um, but it was just really fascinating. Yeah. No, you made some good points. I'm going to make um, Sherifat's comment here and then talk about some of the stuff. So Sherifat says, yeah, I moved to Canada and I needed the Canadian experience. So I had taken up the cybersecurity specialist role for my previous manager role and I'm happy. So it sounds like Sherifat was a manager before, but then maybe took a step down. Um, and that happens all the time. Like, you know, the corporate ladder isn't the way it used to be, you know, wrong, 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 wrong. Um, they call it the lattice. So, you you know, you may take a step down, go down a little bit, come back up or move across and then go up. So there's all different types of steps and ways to get the experience you need. And every single way isn't about like a promotion. 
you know, or a on paper on, you know, monetary promotion per se. Um, some people have taken steps back a little bit or taken multiple laterals. I know I was a huge lateral. Like I wanted, you know, I wanted this experience and that experience and I just moved across. Um, so it's definitely um, a way to get certain, certain, um, certain experiences. Every experience is not going to be just straight up and down. So um, Jessica, one of the things that you said just now that resonated is around taking opportunities when they come. So being part of the networks, going to the meetups, you know, not understanding, not knowing anything about Security Plus, digging in like, oh, wow, I really love this. And then starting immediately to get, become a part of the community, because as we all know, security is huge community. It's all about the community. That's where you get your opportunities. That's where all these various things happen. Um, so just want to highlight that, you know, that's key. One of the keys is becoming involved in a community. People know you, you know them, you know, and be, being able, that's where all the magic happens. Um, and kind of like these little underground networks. <laughs> so uh, Nicole says, what advice would you give someone breaking into a cyber analyst as a second career? Where should they or she start? So um, I have no advice because honestly, that does not give enough context to give proper advice. Um, generic advice, I always recommend that people get on Twitter because there's a great infosec community on Twitter. Um, and also possibly seek out mentors, but without knowing your full background, your goals, your skill levels, etc., I don't. I, I don't give people advice uh, without a lot of further information because generally it's going to be bad advice. <laughs> um, people will throw out there, "Yes, go ahead and get this certification. Go to school for this," and without your context, it means nothing. It's just whatever they did. And uh, whatever I did is very likely not going to work for many other people. So I, I just don't give blanket random advice because then it's just not advice. Advice. <laughs> I so appreciate that. Um, part of the reason why we started breaking into cybersecurity is because people are giving their own experiences. People were giving um, outdated advice. Um, you know, saying, oh, you know, 15 years ago when I got into security, I was on the help desk. So go start on the help desk and then become a sysadmin. And then five years after that, do this. And then five years after that, do that. And it's just like, well, how are we going to fill the skills gap if it's going to take the person 15 more years to get to security? Um, and so the reason why we do this is because we want people here that can truly be peer to peer. Like, this is what I did. This is not what I'm saying for you to do. But this is what I did and this is how I got in. Um, so I really, truly appreciate you making that point because there is so much, I think, misguided advice out there. Um, more so, I don't think that anyone's trying to discourage anyone per se, but they give advice that can look like it's discouraging because they give their own background. This is what I did, right? Um, I would say I had, we had, uh, Joseph, I forget who, who it was a few days ago. Joseph Perry. Joseph Perry was on a few a few days ago. He is a master trainer. Um, and he's done a lot of trainings in Cyberry, a lot of trainings in um, an organization 
called uh, Mandiant. So he did a ton of trainings and I asked him a very similar question, Nicole, like what advice would you give to somebody? You train tons of people, you know, people who are very beginners. Um, and the first thing he said to do, which is very similar to what the CISO who brought me into security has said to us newbies at the time, um, he said, go to the NIST 800-53. And there's a component in there. <laughs> Jessica's laughing because the NIST 800-53 is, we'll put you to sleep if you, you know, try to read that entire policy. But there is a component in there that talks about careers. And so what you can do is, you know, take a look at which ones excite you. Because, Nicole, you could be coming with all different types. Again, Jessica and I don't know what kind of background you have, uh, what kind of interests you have, what you like to do, what you don't like to do. So going to that document would help you kind of dig into what is exciting for you. So some people are like, oh, pen testing, pen testing. Whereas I was didn't, you know, that didn't appeal to me at all. What and then they get to the report part and they're like, what? Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. And then like for me, what appealed to me was um, the and, and I don't know if this was a part of the he. It, so I didn't go to NIST. I didn't go to NIST at the time. He sent us to the CISSP book, not to study for the CISSP, but to look at all the domains and see which ones interested us. So like cryptography, goodbye. Not interested. You know, <laughs> forensics, you could take that. You know, but what was very interesting, um, and I can't—I don't know if this is a, a, a sub um, component, but for me, insider threat was interesting because insider, you know, I was in HR and understanding like the human element and the psychology and insiders and what they may or may not do and having a little bit of backstory in HR about disgruntled employees, things like that. That was very, very interesting to me and it piqued my interest. Whereas somebody else might be like, I don't want to touch that. You know, I really like this component or that component. So that would be my piece of like the first step is to check out NIST 800-53, um, the part where the, the careers are, or look at the CISSP um, uh, subdomains, not for you to study for it, not for the certification, but just to kind of see the different parts of security and see which ones like stand out to you. Or where you could see the relevance, like you may have, you may be in, um, you may have like a some somewhere that you can pivot your experience really easily into one area versus another. So, um, something. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, Jessica. Um, something that I recommend, if you're more of a hands-on person, is take workshops, whether they're at conferences, at meetups, um, at local community colleges, what have you. Um, there's a lot of free workshops, a lot of free online workshops. I sign up for so many um, that I can't take all of them. And uh, they usually record the webinars afterwards so I can, you know, follow up in my own time. But um, lots of times they'll have hands on things or at least walk you through things. And that way you get more of the experience rather than that surface knowledge exposure. Um, even if you don't really understand at all what's going on, you can generally have a better idea of whether it just has that pull for you. Um, yeah. So that, that's another option. Uh, if you're like, I, I do learn by reading very well. 
Um, but I know there's some that out there that don't. And also that these materials do put a lot of people to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> they sure will. Some of them. It's like, woo, five minutes and you're done. Um, so uh, Nicole says, thank you. You're welcome, Nicole. Uh, Cedric says, another way a person can take advantage of opportunities is taking a part-time job. That is so key. So um, volunteering, part-time opportunities, you know, just literally getting your feet wet, getting your hands dirty, um, getting involved in stuff, uh, it, you know, touching security. I, there's so many. I think I can't remember one of the guests came on. We've done over 100 podcasts at this point. And yesterday morning, it, Chris and I did a talk to with this group called Pivot to Security. Um, and we talked about what we learned over doing 100 podcasts. And continuously, people said what Cedric just talked about, which is taking advantage of part-time opportunities, taking advantage of, you know, like little um, volunteer opportunities. So just like you said, Jessica, with joining the community and getting involved and saying, hey, what can I do to help? Like, I want to learn this. How do I get in? How can I help you? It's all about how can you be of service to people? And very, very quickly, you will see people will say, oh, <laughs> this is the lady that wants to help. OK, like, you know, and then very, very quickly when an opportunity shows up. Oh, hey, Nicole, we need you, you know, um, or, you know, we think you should apply to this or what have you. So um, it definitely comes from part time opportunities, volunteer um, and, and truly being a part of the community, like Jessica said. So. Jessica, wow, we're at 29 minutes. This was fast. This was nuts. Um, anybody else, if you have questions, hurry up with them because I'm trying to keep these short. We still Sunday. have one year left. We only have three years to go. <laughs> we only have three years to go. So Jessica, talk to us about your final year. This is nuts. Talk to us about okay. your final year and then, you know, we'll wrap. Okay. So um, after the knock, I transitioned to um a job for not very long um i i had previously applied for a cybersecurity engineer position um but they couldn't give me a response fast enough so i went ahead and took the technical consulting role um and that's where i got four or five i think it was i got four Microsoft certifications in one day. And then I got another Microsoft cert um, like two weeks prior or something like that. Um, and that actually gave me a lot of visibility. Like I didn't think it was that big of a deal because they were all like, it took me like, you know, 30, 45 minutes for each exam. And I just wanted, didn't want to drive 45 minutes to the testing location again, just to knock out these exams. Um, and, uh, then I posted, I was like, I mean, they were all pretty easy certs because, you know, I was thinking in context of like, you know, Microsoft certified system security administrator, Azure, whatever. And, uh, I was like, you know, but it got a lot of visibility and I was just like, okay, cool. And <laughs> that helped my professional networking. Uh, which is extremely important in this uh, industry. Uh, you need to do your LinkedIn and your Twitter professional networking. Um, and thankfully, everything's virtual. Um, it's not good that it's because of the pandemic, 
But um, because before you were like, it was good to go to face to face, face to face events. And that's not my forte. Um, I, I'm very introverted and uh, I don't like to leave my house, especially to like go and try to be professional. Um, I'm way more uh, casual and weird. So, uh, <laughs> but now, now there's a lot of virtual ones that you can get to, but do your professional networking. Um, so yeah, um, I got a lot of very good, uh, Microsoft certs and experience and visibility and uh, got a good glimpse into the Active Directory world um, because it is a world in of itself. And then uh, the cybersecurity engineering people hit me back up and offered me the job. And I was like, yes, because I wanted to go into cybersecurity. And uh, I got into, I was the internal IT everything for a while, internal sysadmin, network admin, everything, help desk, um, as well as doing the cybersecurity engineering role, which was like uh, security assessments, vulnerability assessments, risk assessments, all kind of tied into one with gap analyses and poems and what have you um, for uh, DFAR 7012, um, using the NIST 800-171A framework, revision two, uh, all that boring stuff. Um, and I also ended up transitioning into uh, being kind of the CMMC subject matter expert for the company um, and uh, built like an assessment framework for that before stuff was available, just so we could try to like help people get their businesses situated for when things did become available. Um, that's also when I got my CISP, uh, CISSP certification, because as I said, I do have a prior background that we're not going into, but I do have enough years of experience to meet the um, years of experience <laughs> qualifications for the CISP. Um, and that also gave me a lot of visibility. And that's one of the reasons why I have chosen the certification path. Um, although I am also in school full-time at WGU for to finish up my bachelor's in computer science. Um, but for me as a female in tech and doing the accelerated path, I have found that getting certifications that kind of match where I'm at or a little bit above where I'm at have really helped kind of sell my resume a little bit more mm -hmm. um, and make it makes me look like a more believable candidate because apparently there's a whole bunch of people who lie on their resumes and it it makes it more difficult for people like me who are just being straight up honest uh, but you know going from help desk to what I am now, which is an information security engineer, um, like legit, not just a cool title type of deal in three years. Um, the certifications kind of back that up a little bit for me, um, especially the CISP. I have no interest in being an ISO. I am qualified to be an ISO sounds boring, I'm not interested in it, or anything you can do with this is, 
but it makes uh, my resume more intriguing. Right. So if, if they're intrigued by your resume, they might give you an interview just for fun. That's actually kind of, I'm pretty sure what I got this time. And it led to my job because uh, I have a quote on my resume from one of my previous uh, supervisor managers um, because she would tell everybody this. Uh, she's scary smart. <laughs> and that in combination with my CISP certification, I'm pretty sure has uh, led to multiple interviews for me because this last time around, I was getting anywhere from one to six interviews per week. Wow. For quite some time. Wow. Um, yeah, with uh, nary a job offer. Um, but I do believe kind of, you know, in everybody has their own path and fate and everything. And um, I would have probably accepted other job offers, even though they wouldn't have been what I wanted. Um, so I'm glad I didn't get anything until this one, because this one is fantastic. And I'm so happy. And the last three years of underpaid, overworked, constant overtime, 60 to 80 hour weeks, hell has been worth it. <laughs> but I wouldn't really recommend, uh, I wouldn't recommend fully my path um, to anyone because, yeah, uh, at one point I was waking up at two or three o'clock in the morning, studying for certifications, um, then getting to work by seven. On um, any downtime at work or on lunch break, I would be studying, get home, study, uh, talk to my boyfriend for an hour, and then fall asleep studying. Um, wow. Yeah. Burnout happened a couple of times. Um, and I had no social life. And I didn't do anything for fun. It was I was just so determined to not go back to where I was and that I was doing anything I thought would help to get me to where I wanted to be. People will say that they're willing to do anything to get a job in cybersecurity. And I'm just like, really? Are you really? <laughs> like I actually did that. <laughs> like, oh, and I paid for all of my certifications myself. Um, I, I did get partially reimbursed for uh, the Network Plus, but I paid that back. And then, um, yeah, the CISP, the Security Plus, um, I have a few others in the Microsoft ones and stuff. <laughs> like, you know, I couldn't afford it. I was getting underpaid uh, in Alabama. That's that's pretty low. Right. And uh, so I saved up money for months um, just to pay for my own certifications because I do see um, a lot of people out there saying that, you know, the price of certifications is gatekeeping. Yeah, I see that. But also, if you want something, figure out a way to get it yourself. If you want to do cybersecurity, hack your life, get into it. Yeah, it's not easy. Yeah, it's easy to say that, but I've also kind of done it. Um, so I understand why free certification vouchers would be great. Um, but also, when you, when you do like surpass all of these difficulties it makes you into a stronger person anyways so i mean once you do get to a certain rung on the ladder then you're a stronger voice for change rather than at the beginning and saying hey 
give it, give all these things to me because this should be easier. Get to that place in your life where your voice matters just a little bit more and is louder because of where you've gotten to. And then you can really be, you can really make more change happen. Because then you're saying, give these things to these people so they didn't have to go what I through what I went through right. rather than help me. Absolutely. Because everybody deserves help. So, yeah, I have gotten a lot of support and encouragement. I always try to give it back. Um, I have hundreds and probably thousands of people who have hit me up. I haven't responded to everybody. I haven't offered assistance to everybody. I'm only one person and I overcommit as a coping skill as it is. Um, but I always try to, you know, pay it forward. Jessica, I think that was, I typically asked for the final piece of advice and you already gave it. We're at the 40 minute mark. So I'm going to make this one comment that Mac men said, he said, networking is so important as it led me to my last three roles with an MSP, a telco giant and an insurance company. So everything that Jessica said, Mac Men just said, follow their advice. That's what's happening. Um, Jessica, thank you so very much for being here, for doing this with us on a Sunday, uh, you know, counting down the final few days of Cybersecurity Awareness Month. This has been a complete pleasure and joy, and I appreciate you for being here with us today. Um, all of the awesome comments that have come through. Thank you, audience. Like I said, all the time, it's not as fun without you all here chiming in and giving your experience. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And we will see you tomorrow on another episode of Breaking Into Cybersecurity. Bye, everybody. Thank you, Renee. Bye, everybody. You're welcome.